Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. parents, this is Dan Panetti, and I'm really excited for you to listen to this week's episode of The Journey. I'm talking with Clint Davis. He's a licensed professional counselor in Louisiana and a good friend of a couple of my friends, Mike and Kelly Johnson, as well as Ricky Shillette, whom a number of you recently came out to hear in person at both the Plano and North campuses. Clint is going to be sharing some powerful and valuable information about navigating the world of social media as Christian parents, and he's telling you the truth about what is waiting for your children, which is why this episode is adults only. Clint just tells it like it is, and you need to hear this information. You also need to share this information with other parents. Make sure everyone you know who has children has this information. And while you're at it, take an extra minute and rate and review the journey. Now, you've removed all the younger ears from listening. I hope you find this episode with Clint Davis informative and helpful as you make decisions about social media. All right, parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Panetti. I've got uh, Clint Davis with me, and you are a um, uh, a professional counselor, licensed counselor. Um, you're in the Bossier City, Shreveport area. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so, and it's kind of an interesting thing um, because I, I I think about... Um, you know, how did how did we get to meet you and why are you on the program with a bunch of parents here uh, in the DFW area? Uh, and the reality is, is uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Mike and Kelly Johnson, uh, who's uh, your congressman uh, and uh, and a good friend of both of ours. But he had you on his podcast um, a while back and you were talking about some stuff. And I was like, man, my parents have to hear this. It's just it's just so good. Um, and I just reached out to you and said, hey, would you be willing to come on our podcast? And you said, um, not only would I come on the podcast, but if you want me to, I'll, I'll come over there and talk to your parents. So uh, hopefully we can set that up sometime in the future uh, as well. Um, but the material that I really wanted to focus on um, was the uh, uh, the, to- the topic you talked about uh, dealing with just social media, technology, and just as parents, what we need to know uh, and how we can formulate a plan to bring social media and technology kind of into our kids' life, but also uh, to protect them uh, from some of the damaging aspects. And, and you know, I won't, I won't give away all the different strategies that you gave because I, I thought they were so good, but I wanted you to dive in and just kind of start that conversation. Uh, what would you tell parents uh, and kind of what's your strategy for dealing with these particular things? Yeah, man, I'm glad to be on here and, and parents listening. Um, you might get an earful, so I would, I would say... Uh, if you got kids listening to this, um, probably pause it and um, come back so, and listen so we're, to it. So just, we're going, we're going adults only. Okay, <laughs> is that it? Yeah, okay. just, just in case. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I'll put it. I'll put it in the show notes and put a little. I put a little warning on there. We've had a couple of people that you know. It's like, yeah, if we want to get serious about this, we got to talk about these things as they really are. So that's fantastic. Let's do it. Yeah. So, um, so adults only at this point. Um, I say that because because of the culture we live in. Mm-hmm. So. So I talk about two things, Uh, you know, as I push this um, kind of agenda or this talk or these relationship building things, it's one perspective is my own personal experience, my own testimony of growing up in a family 
who went to church when the doors were open, who loved the Lord. You know, my parents ended up uh, divorcing. And, um, you know, so we, we did the, the stereotypical thing. And yet, you know, they never talked to me about, you know, certain things, uh, body parts, uh, what to call them, who can touch them, who can't consent, mm-hmm. pornography, uh, masturbation, menstruation, you know, any of those things. I had never heard those words until I was experiencing those things. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I kind of shelved that, went through my my uh, high school years. You know, the Internet came out when I was you know around that age. And so pornography became a thing joined the military. It was just kind of that culture of, of pornography being passed around. And it wasn't until I got to college and uh, started kind of meeting with a, a college pastor that I started unpacking this whole history of sexual neglect and trauma and had never really talked to anybody about porn. Nobody had ever told me you shouldn't watch pornography or even had a conversation with me about it. Um, and so, and again, that was before the cell phone came out and, you know, I didn't, there wasn't an iPhone when I was in college. And so, I'm in this weird hybrid of, you know, about to be 40 this, this month. And so I didn't grow up with all these things, but as a young adult and now adult, they've affected our entire culture and life. And so as I started thinking about it and I, I became a therapist and, you know, got into my own recovery with those things and, and um, healed from a lot of that trauma. I started asking clients and asking friends and asking pastors and everybody that I talked to was like, Oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, me too. And when I say me too, what I mean is um, there's there's the cell phone technology conversation, and then there's the prerequisite to that, which is how do we as church members and as discipleship makers disciple our kids in the context of their sexual development, their emotional development. So I mean things like using the word penis and vagina when we're talking to our children, that they know that language and they know what's appropriate to say and what's not. For them to know who can touch them and who can't touch them and when that's appropriate. For them to know when they can say no and have healthy boundaries. Um, those things lead to a healthy online life. Right. But when we have kids who don't even know boundaries around their own bodies and their own private parts, when they don't even know that pornography exists, when they don't even know what an erection would be or what masturbation is, by the time they're 16 – and they have a phone and they have social media and they're being bombarded by these things, it they're defeated. You know, they it overwhelms them because they've already been 10 years into dysfunction and they don't even realize it. Yeah. And so what I want for us to do is is take back that, right? When we talk about discipleship, I think it it's a daily, weekly conversation, intimacy with a, with our parents and and saying, hey, these are normal, healthy ways to develop and think. And not making it taboo and shameful. But for many of the people listening to this, um, that was not the conversation. Yeah. And so, you know, if you if you didn't have those conversations with your parents, then your immediate experience of sexual development, which is totally normal and totally healthy, was was merged with shame. Because as a little boy or a little girl, if you have your first sexual development thing by yourself, let's I'll use a boy for an example. Uh, all boys have what we call nocturnal emissions at night when they hit puberty, right? Because they're developing that ability God gave them to get an erection, to procreate. Well, when a little boy doesn't know that's going to happen because no one's ever talked to them about it, then the first time they experience that, they feel like, what is this? I'm not going to talk to anybody about it. I can't tell my parents. This is bad. I'm bad. But the next night, they're like, well, what was that? How do I make that happen again? 
And for a decade or more, they're having sexual interactions with themselves and with, with online content and no one even knows it. And there's so much shame linked to that. Yeah. Versus what I would say is a discipleship version, which is talking to our kids early and often and having a robust conversation, obviously, um, developmentally appropriate, right? You're not going to talk to your three-year-old about masturbation, but four-year-olds get erections. And so when that happens, instead of ignoring it or shaming it, just making it normal and saying, hey, that's what this is. Let's move on. And then by the time the kid is nine or 10, we start having the the birds and the bees, the sex conversation. And then by around puberty, we start having the masturbation conversation. Then our 13-year-old is not uncomfortable or weird or or estranged from conversations about their body. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and you know, kids are going to find out about this information. So if they're not listening to you, give them the truth about it, right? They're going to go online. They're going to talk to their friends. Uh, they're going to get information from other places, right? And, and you can't filter that information um, if you don't know about it. And if you're not the one who, you know, and I think, you know, it's often been said that the first one to present something becomes the expert in it. Right. So if yep. we're talking about these things to our kids, our kids are looking at us and saying, oh, well, you know, hey, mom and mom and dad know about this stuff, as opposed to mom and dad don't know anything. And if I talk to them about it, right, it's going to be weird and it's going to be, you know, odd. And so who am I going to talk to? Well, I'm going to go online or I'm going to talk to my friends. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. not going to that's not going to be a helpful place to go. You know, not only if you want the truth, but it definitely if you want God's design. So I think that's <clears throat> that's a, a great place to start is if God has designed this, <clears throat> then he's designed it for our good. Right. And it can be healthy and it can be good. Right. Talking about, you know, sexuality and, and sex doesn't have to be bad. Um, can it be awkward? And the answer is, of course, it can. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But can it but can it be helpful? And can we help our right, our children navigate this in a way that we show them, hey, this is what God has created um, and it, it is good. Right. It, it's a it's a healthy part of life. Let's let's figure it out together. Um, that's going to be great as opposed to sending them right to places where they're going to get uh, information that God has been taken out of it. Uh, and then it just becomes about, you know, personal pleasure. Uh, and how often, as you said, how often can I do this? How often can I feel this pleasure again? And then we're wiring our brain to pursue that pleasure. And I'm telling you, pornography, right, will will give you that pleasure, right? It, it will, sin will be pleasurable for a moment. And pornography will be there to help train, you know, our young people in what it, what it means to be a sexual being. And that's what we're seeing today, right, with our kids. Yeah, I mean, the average viewing of pornography in America is somewhere between eight and 11. You know, that's it's wild. But that's because less than 82% of parents have any rules for devices. So it's not that eight-year-olds are going online and looking for porn, although some are. It's that they have access to cell phones, they have access to iPads and computers without any monitoring devices or any protection mechanisms. Because as parents, we think, oh, well, they're not going to look for that. They don't even know what that is. But what we don't know a lot of times is that it, they're not looking for it, but it's looking for them. Amen. You know, there are bots and websites and DMs and text messages and every type of thing that you can think of sending text messages and sending links and sending messages to our children if they have a device, even if they're on YouTube Kids. And so we have to be um, very proactive uh, about this. And, and really, again, that's why we're having this conversation is there's not a lot of tools out there. You know, we're not having these conversations. And so we're about a decade into this problem and we're losing. Yeah, we're, we're losing the fight. And I think for me, God is, is the Holy Spirit is, is just filling me with experiences with people that are tangible, that are real, that are practical, that I hope that people can uh, 
to make a choice with. So yeah. one of the, so, one so of the things had, I'll cover. Yeah. You had oh, some practice, some practical ideas for parents and dealing. Cause I mean, I know, I know there's, there's a parent out there with a young child and, and they're immediately thinking, okay, well I'll, I'll solve this problem. I won't give my kid any technology at all. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and, and the reality is, it's like, okay, that, that doesn't work. That's not a good strategy. One, uh, because we as the school are actually going to give your kid technology, um, right. but they're going to have friends that have technology. You know, not having technology is not an option. So what do we do as parents to navigate that, that world and, and helping our kids? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is uh, you have to do this as a community. Mm-hmm. So you have to look, if you have a kid who's eight or eight and under or 10 and under, you have to look into your friends and you have to say, Hey guys, what are we doing? Yep. Let's all plan together that we're going to be on the same page. Let's pick an age, let's pick a year and let's have our 10 kids or our eight kids um, together. And, and the oddball is the person who has a phone. The oddball is the person who has social media as it stands now for a lot of parents, they feel the pressure because literally everyone has it. And so their kids at home saying my baseball team, everybody has Instagram. That's how they communicate. They DM through there. I'm going to be left out of all the things if I don't have it. And so parents are going, okay, here you go. So what I say, uh, one of the analogies I love to give is I wish, uh, I wish cell phones were like a driver's license. Mm -hmm. I wish that a parent, would let their kid ride in their lap and hold the steering wheel, right? They, they could see their phone every once in a while. They have a device every once in a while, but the parent's right there watching them, showing them, and then it's very limited. And then at 13 or 14, you know, they start to get their learner's permit and they take some tests and they're watched and they're monitored. Maybe they drive around a parking lot so they don't hit a pole or down a back road. Yeah. And they, they get the feel for it, right? But it's not yep. like they, they, they know it's not theirs and That's it's right. not their thing and there's no way they can do it on their own. So once they get their learner's permit, then they get some time with the car, with the phone, with the parent right there beside them. So if you are going to give them social media, you should have that social media app downloaded on your phone and you should be signed in with it so that you see every DM, every message, every follow. And weekly and daily, you're having conversations about error and mistakes because our kids are wired to make mistakes. We're, our job is to teach them to make the right choices. Not, they don't come out as making the right choices and every once in a while they err, right? That's sometimes how I think about my kids. I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? It's like, well, that's what he's supposed to do. I'm supposed to teach him to be disciplined and and to have faith and to have trust. And so they're going to make mistakes. And then, right, then they get their driver's license and they take a test and they've shown that they're mature enough to drive a car on their own, to go across the town without getting in a wreck and murdering everybody and themselves. And and then we go, okay, you can only have it until about 10 o'clock at night. You can only drive a certain amount of time. And then once they're mature enough, I think it's 16 or 17 in most states, then they have full reign. They can drive wherever they want to. They don't have a curfew. So I would say the cell phone needs to be the same way. And that way, depending on the maturity of your child, depending on their um, experiences and their past, you can curate like the timing for that, right? Mm. It, it's, it's not every kid gets a cell phone at 13. It's I need to know my kids so well and have watch them for three or four years with technology that I can, I can trust that the risk cost analysis is good. The yeah. benefit cost analysis is good. Does yeah. that make so sense? I, yeah. I, I love how you, you, you compared it, right. Our, our fourth you know child um, just got his driver's license. Um, you know, and we do this because driving a car, right. I mean, it, it's a, it's a danger, right. You know, you're, yeah. you're behind a, you know, a half ton of steel driving down the road at, you know, 
40, 50 miles an hour, it's like, it's a danger to you and it's a danger to other people. And I think we don't look at the cell phone, right. As the same danger. And the reality 100%. is it's, it's, right, it's far more worse. Right? It's, it's far worse in terms of like the danger to not only the individual, but the community. Uh, and I think, you know, just that mentality, right. That you put out there for our parents to kind of think through is, yeah, you need to have some preparation if you're going to um, you know, allow your your child to get their driver's license, right? We we understand that technology. We don't have that yet um, established, um, but you know, time is going by quickly, right? For your kids, so you need to put a plan into action. If you can find, I love how you put. If you can find some other parents to say, hey, let's let's develop this together. Um, I think it's fantastic. If you can't, um, you're still responsible for your kids, right? So your yeah. your kid might be the only kid without a cell phone, and if everybody's, you know, you know. Um, and, and, and we've had this with our kids, right? Where, you know, everybody communicated on Instagram. Our kid doesn't have Instagram. It's like, okay, what do you do? Well, <laughs> you know, you, you figure things out, right? You say, hey, you know, our kid needs to be texted or our kid needs to be doing whatever because they're not going to have access to those particular things. So you're right. Right now, it's it's more the norm that if you're going to try to do it the right way, you're kind of on the outside. But I, I love how, you know, if you're a young parent and you can find, you know, a group of six to eight other parents to do this with you and navigate it with you um, to go, you know, and, and, and take your time in understanding how to teach this the right way. That is a fantastic way of doing it. I'd love for an, you know, an entire grade to do it together, right? Like, Hey, listen, yeah. you're, we're going to come in here to PCA. We're not giving cell phones until whatever grade, you know, and all the parents get in together. So that would be, that would be an awesome way of, of putting it together. So I, I love the way you framed it. What else from our parents' perspective would be helpful? Yeah, I think, um, one of the things that that we have to realize is that um like you said the dangers of of what's on the phone is is yes of course pornography and i want to say this because i know a lot of moms listen to this i did a brainy moms podcast a couple of weeks ago they're mm -hmm. like a national moms podcast and and what i you know people people who maybe don't understand what porn is <laughs> porn is not two people having sex 86% of pornography is graphic violence towards men and women. Mm. And so if your child has a phone or an iPad and they're 10 and up, it's not if they're going to see pornography, it's when. Right. Research shows that 98% of teens by 15 have seen pornography yep. and they can never unsee it. And the problem is, is that we're linking pornography with sexual development. And so that we're, we're really not linking. It's not the problem isn't that your son saw breasts. It's that your your son saw graphic violence and linked that with sexuality and human yep. development. Yep. And that's causing a disaster that has never been an option. You know, until the last seven years, that's not been a thing in our world. There's always been abuse and sex and violence. But the ability for a 10 or an 11 or a 12-year-old or a 16-year-old to watch those scenes multiple times a day, multiple times a week, multiple times a year is never been a possibility in yeah, history. To so totally. yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I love how you're, you're even struggling to kind of find the words to describe, <laughs> right? The, yeah. the, the, the access to what our kids are seeing on a, on a normal basis now um, and trying to figure out like, I mean, where, where in human history could we ever have imagined um, that things that are so, um, you know, improper and in a sense, illegal, um, actually have access to our kids at a young age and, and they can watch it over and over and over again. And I think you're right. We, you know, let's get out of this mindset, right. That, you know, our kids are getting on, you know, playboy, right. And, and you're, you're seeing naked yeah. women, right. And it's like, no, 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 we're, we're not talking about the pornography of the fifties and the sixties, right. We're, right. we're way past that. 
right? You're, you're getting into things that our kids have access to um, that are mind warping, right? Not sex, you know, it's kind of normal sexual development of, you know, oh, you know, a young boy is interested in a young girl and, oh, he's, you know, he's seen the naked human body for the first time. It's like, uh, nope, <laughs> that's right. not the kind of pornography that they have access to. They have access to things that are, that are beyond their ability to really process. What does this look like? What does this mean? And, and then the question becomes, right? What does this mean to me? Right. Is, is that how human sexuality is played out? Um, and what you're beginning to see is unfortunately a lot of men, right. Have a misunderstanding for what the sexual activity looks like. And a lot of women do too, right. That, okay. If, if this is normal, this is how I have to act in a relationship to have that normal relationship that I've seen. And it's like that, no, no, I'm just telling you, that's not normal. <laughs> that's, right. It's not only yeah. not normal, it's it's not healthy and it's not going to help you, right, engage in a meaningful relationship with another person because that's not how people treat each other. So that, yeah, that's I, what becomes would, damaging. A hundred percent. And one thing that I would push back, not push back on, but just uh, fine tune is one of the things I say all the time is uh, normal is not healthy. And yeah. so it actually is yeah, normal. It is normal. That's yeah, the sad exactly. part. Like 10 years ago, yep. Yep. 10 years ago, literally, if you did a Bible study with 15 men, maybe three or four of them really struggle with addiction to pornography or addiction to masturbation. Exactly. If you do a Bible study with 15 guys today, 13 of the 15 are going to be struggling with this. Yep. If you yep. did a Bible study with 15 women, um, you know, maybe three of them 10, 12 years ago were, were struggling with chronic anxiety and taking medication. If yeah. you do one today, 14 out of the 15 women are taking meds and, and, and needing anxiety help. And so we, the stats, we, uh, our age, right? 40 and up 35 and up. We're still thinking that it's the stats are 10 years ago, right? right. I mean, this yep. year, right. Yep. I, I'm still in 2019. I mean, Christmas is here and I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? Um, but my point, but like 10 years ago seems like yesterday to us. And so we still think that the world is okay. Yeah. And then we're driving around and our peers and our friends and they have their Tahoes and we're going to, you know, this way and we're doing church and we're showing up and we think pr people are pretty much got it together. And unfortunately the emotional and spiritual health of the average person is so different than just 10 years ago. And we're just now catching up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I'm, I'm, and, I'm glad you pushed our, back on that and redefined the concept of normal. Um, I, I was thinking of normal from a biblical standpoint of what God has yeah, designed for us. <laughs> and you're, and you're right. If, if, you know, take, take the word normal and what most people are actually living out in their daily lives. And you're, and you're right. What our kids are being exposed to, what is now become the norm, right. Is so far different than how we're trying to raise our kids to be right. Biblical disciples of Christ and, and to treat women in a way that honors and respects them um, and to have a purity until marriage. Right. The, the whole idea of not having sex until marriage. Um, I mean, it, it's it's funny, right, because our kids are so exposed to so much sexuality that even those kids that are trying to maintain a purity until marriage. Right. It's like, well, I, I won't have sexual intercourse, but there's 15 other things that I can do. And it's like, wait a second. That's right. So even that concept of, of sexuality. Right. I mean, um, you know, oral sex you talk, yeah, for, for our kids, absolutely. right. Just that, you know, I mean, goodness, that that's like, you know, date one. Right. Uh, and so that concept is that's yeah, we junior have to, high. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Like that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. My parents just dropped. It was like, what? It's like, yes, it, yeah. it, it is. Right. And, and I think that's, that's where, right. What you're doing and the information that you're trying to get to our parents is so important. Right. I'm, I'm glad you carved out, you know, 20 minutes for me today. 
Um, I'd love to have you come over and, and spend, you know, an hour and a half with our parents and just walk them through. Here's the information. Here's what you need to know. Um, because we do need to not only protect our kids, right, per, per, but prepare them for the reality of the world that they're entering. Right. I, I wish, yes. you know, we we could grab 20 families that are doing life like us, move to Oregon, churn our own butter, you know, uh, raise the corn on the back 40. But hey, listen, I'm in I'm in DFW. We're in the middle of this particular culture. But that doesn't give me an excuse to say, hey, this is just the way the world is um, and, and say, hey, everybody else gave a kid, you know, their cell phones in you know, third grade. So I'm going to do that as well. No, listen, I'm parenting and I'm going to do the best job I can. So you know, thank you for giving me the information. Thank you for giving me a strategy and a plan. Um, now the job is I, I got to put that into action, right? I got to have those conversations. I got to prepare myself as a parent to make the tough decisions. And I have to prepare myself to do this regardless. I know it would be nice to do it in a, in a community, but I have to prepare myself to do this regardless of what everybody else does with their kids. And I think yeah, that's absolutely. a really important step for our parents to, to wrestle with as well. Yeah. And listen, I get it. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, two boys, and we're, we're in the midst of all the developmental conversations. And yeah. we, we call it, we call it the penis rules at our house. You know, I'm like, we go over that when they go over to a friend's house or when a babysitter comes. And and so I will say this, if, if your listeners want to listen, I know we're just giving a short overview. Mm -hmm. So if they want to listen to a fuller conversation, um, they can go to our podcast. It's called Asking Why with Clint Davis. Um, they can find that on iTunes or wherever they listen. Yeah, I'll put it in the um, show notes. Okay. Um, and then hopefully we can get together and I can come over and, and talk to the parents. And I really want people to understand why they're doing what they're doing. You know, it's not enough to read a book. A lot of times in our culture, we love behavior modification, right? We yep. love yep. telling people what to do and then modifying their behavior. And then it's supposed to stop. But the real, the real issue is the heart issue. And Jesus talked about that all the time. He, he cares about our behavior, but only so in so far as it, it focuses on the heart. And yeah. so I want parents to go, man, I understand the neurology of what's happening to my kids. I understand that this has a lot to do with my own shame and my mm -hmm. own history with sexuality mm -hmm. that I've never dealt with. Um, and part of my avoidance to having these conversations that's going to live to my, lead to my kids' destruction is my own lack of recovery. And here's right. the deal. Jesus wants you to recover. Jesus wants you to have, excuse me, a healthy view of yourself, your body, your sexuality, because he loves you yeah. and he values you and it's good. And one of the things that we do with the purity culture and the holy culture is we think that our behaviors or our kids behavior is going to lead to purity or holiness. When in reality, it's the sacrifice of Jesus and the power of the Holy spirit. Amen. And so if somebody's out there listening and they feel ashamed and they feel um, like, Oh my gosh, he brought up all this stuff. And I feel weird about this. Christ can handle that. The Holy Spirit can handle that in your family and in your life. But it does take faith on our part to step out and go, okay, I don't know about all this, but let me maybe call a therapist or let me call a pastor. Or let me ask some questions and uh, and learn more so that I'm more equipped. Because Satan is a roaring, roaming lion. He wants to devour us. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we pretend like this spiritual warfare is a Nerf gun fight in America. That Satan is like shooting Nerf darts and we're hit and we're hurt. And we're like, wow, that really was like a, a M16 going into my chest. I thought like, <laughs> what? You know, and it's like, it's not a, it's not spiritual disagreement fair. It's yeah. spiritual warfare, right? Yeah. Satan's not like, let's agree to disagree. I'll leave your kid alone. And uh, I think we need to remember that when we're doing that, that this, that this, this is a fight for our future. And I have so much hope that our kids 
if we can pair it differently, that that this remnant can grow up from 8 to 18, from 15 to 25, and they can be in society in this dark place that we're going, and they can shine so much light from, man, I don't use my phone that way. I don't view sexuality that way. I don't treat my wife or my husband that way. We don't parent our kids this way. That's right. So we've got to be able to um, to be the light in the darkness and to get out of this idea that like it's not going to get darker. It is. That's scary. It's overwhelming. But God has equipped his people to be the light in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that we can you know continue to do that together as a church, as a body. And man, I'm willing to do whatever I can do to help. Well, just just this conversation is a great start for our parents. Um, I, I appreciate you uh, so much, not only taking the time, but just being honest uh, and and talking right in a real way that our parents need to hear this information. Um, you know, redefining normal. Um, you know, in case you know, like, like when I was using the word normal for me, it's like this is what normal is. It's like no, but that's not the world that our kids are entering. So that's a great reminder uh, to us. Um, that that's what we have to prepare our kids for, right? And and I think that's just that's a that's a you know great conversation. So you know, Clint, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for starting hey, the conversation. I can't wait for the next time. You know, hopefully that we'll have you in here and uh, and our parents can you know listen to you and ask some more questions. Uh, hopefully they'll go to your podcast and get some more information from that as well. So it's uh, you're you're a wealth of information, and I think you know for for God's time such as this, uh, we need guys like you doing this work. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.